0: So, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb. Unfortunately, my co-host, Jeff Ayers, is unable to make it today. Uh, A lot of snow in Seattle for some reason, and he's shoveling right now, so he's got a lot of work to do, but... We are so happy that we are going to be uh, bringing to you today, um, all the way over in England, uh, CJ Tudor, and she's going to be talking about her latest book called The Hiding Place. You might have known her from her debut book called The Chalk Man, so we're very excited to be able to jump into it with her. want to remind all of you, too, that all of our shows here are brought to you by Kensington Books. Uh, visit kensingtonbooks.com and Suspense Magazine, so please visit suspensemagazine.com for more information on everything that we got going on. But without any further ado, we would love to welcome CJ to the show. So, CJ, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing?
1: Hi. Uh, oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm really good. No snow here. It's just just gray and rainy.
0: <laughs> oh, well, you know, I guess that's kind of normal. I, but now, last year, you guys, like, had, like, the... The winter from hell, I mean, it was like things were frozen over and you're basically ice skating on the streets. I remember that one last year, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but remember, it's the UK, so whenever we have like kind of like more than about two inches of snow, it is the winter from hell here because cause oh. we don't get extreme weather. So, you know, we like to get excited when we have any weather, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good. Well, I mean, you guys already have enough controversy going on right now with the royal family, the whole thing. Wow, I don't even, I don't even know oh, about all my that goodness. stuff.
1: <laughs> My lord, yeah.
0: it just seems like a lot of hubbub for nothing. But that's you know, it is what it is. Um, it is
1: people. Cool. People do get really oh God, people really get very involved in it. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a huge royalist. I, I, you know, I don't mind them. I, I yeah, you know, I think the Queen does a great job. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I've got sympathy for Harry and Meghan. Actually, I, I feel I feel the press can be pretty pretty rough um, in the UK, and yeah. I think they've they've been pretty pretty unkind. So I kind of get the whole, you know, we've had enough.
0: We've had enough of it. You know, we're off. I get you. Well, and no better way than to kind of get a little bit of, I guess you want to say, you know, anxiety out or just a little bit of fun out is, is to write books. And you know, yes. your, your, your debut book, The Chalk Man, came out, came out with rave reviews, uh, ITW awards, you know, uh, I know Stephen King talked about it and Lee Child and a lot of people were talking about this one. And then you had to follow up with The Hiding Place which yes. is probably a, which was probably a pretty daunting task. So tell everybody a little bit about The Hiding Place.
1: Well, The Hiding Place um, is just in paperback in the U.S. Uh, I've got my third book coming out um, in, in hardback in, well, about a couple of weeks' time as well. So The Hiding Place, yeah, I think always, uh, it, you know, it's, it's lovely when people love, you know, the first book you've written. Well, I say the first book you've written, obviously, like most debut authors, it wasn't the first book I'd written. I've been trying to get published for a long, long time. Uh, but, you know, to get that response to your first published book is, is absolutely amazing. And, and yeah, there's, there's a little bit of pressure there when you've, <laughs> you've kind of got to follow it. Uh, I'm right. quite lucky because I'd written quite a lot of book too, before um, The Chalkman was published. So, I mean, there, there are things in common with both books. Um, both of them actually have main characters who are, who are teachers. And they're both, in a way, returning to their past to kind of solve some, some unsolved mysteries. In The Hiding Place, um, our protagonist is Joe Thorne, and he grew up in a small mining village in the north of England, um, quite a small, isolated mining village um, that after sort of the, the miners' strike in the UK, it's quite, quite a desolate, quite bleak sort of place. But he grew up in this village, and when he was 15 years old, his little sister, Annie, disappeared um, for 48 hours, um, and then miraculously she, she returned, except she wasn't quite the same Annie that, that Joe knew that disappeared, and, and something had happened to her. Um, Twenty-five years later in this same small village, a mother bludgeons her son to death for no apparent reason before killing herself, and on the wall above his body she writes just three words, not my son. And Joe finds himself, after all this time returning to the village, he receives an email saying, I know what happened to your sister, it's happening again. So he finds himself drawn back to this place where he grew up. Um, and some bad things happen. Um, and, and going back to the place where he grew up means he, he finds himself going back to meet the, the the gang of friends that he grew up with, um, and facing up to some of the things that happened when he was a, a teenager there. And trying to uncover the mystery of what really happened to his sister, which has something to do with... The old abandoned mine, which lies beneath this village, um, which holds some very, very dark secrets.
0: You know, that's one of the things that you know I I love about uh, psychological thrillers is I love to try to get inside the people's heads. I love to understand like what they're thinking, how they're doing, you know, those types of things more than just basically the running around of cops chasing the mouse, you know, chase mouse and stuff like that. So when you decided to kind of dive in and you wanted Joe to be the head of the hiding place, what was one of the one things that you, know, that you were trying to create as a main character? Was it something that happened organically? Did you kind of outline this out a lot? How was that process for you?
1: I'm very much um, a writer who's – I think you know, we, we say writers can sometimes be divided into – Pantsters and planners, um, so people who like to plan out their novels and every sort of chapter and their characters and write big, you know, big descriptions of their characters before they start. And Pantsters, which is, which is me, someone who just sits down and starts writing and kind of sees where it goes. Um, but I, I normally do I, – I always feel like I have a voice in my head for the characters, and particularly when you're writing a first-person narrative. And Joe's voice was quite strong from the start. I, I sort of had this idea of this scene in my head. And then I started writing Joe. And, and, it's, and, and Joe's quite a, I'd, I'd say, a, a conflicted character. He's not a he's not particularly nice, nice guy when we first meet him. Um, he's not especially likeable. Um, but I think as the, as the novel progresses, you, you start to understand how he's, how he's become who he is. Um, and for a writer, certainly, it's much more fun to write characters who aren't all, all nice or heroic. It's much more fun to write more complicated characters, um, because they're, they're just much more interesting. Um, and I think once you have that voice in your head, then you know very much where you're going with it. And I'm and like you, I, I, I like characters, I, I like to put sort of ordinary people in extraordinary situations. I'm not... Really interested in writing about the, the you know the, the police detective or the lawyer or the you know the forensic pathologist. I, I, I kind of like more more, in, more ordinary people in ordinary professions who who get drawn into, as I say, these strange situations or something happens that really throws their life into turmoil, because I think there's more a case of you know that could be me, um mm-hmm. and, and that's that's sort of what I like to write about more.
0: Yeah, I, I I and you know there's a lot of um authors that you know Harlan Coben is big into that and Joseph Fender over yeah. here in the United States. They do a lot of you know average people in, in extraordinary circumstances and how are they going to do it? And 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 it is and it's very and it very much puts yourself in and I guess you want to say you sympathize with the character a lot more because you just feel bad like oh my god how could this happen to these poor people, you know, and, yeah. and you kind of you kind of feel for them. You know, do you, how what sense do you get from American to, you know, British readers, is, is, is there a different kind of email that you get? Is there a different kind of questions that you get between the two sides?
1: I think not not so much, actually. I think, um, I think you know, that we, we enjoy the same sort of books, actually, and I think there's, there's not so much difference, perhaps, in, in obviously the characters and how they behave, and, and obviously the settings can be different. Um, the setting I think, is the thing know, I was
0: going to talk about, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the certain little bits of language, I think, when I was writing The Hiding Place, it's set in a small, a very small mining village, which is, which is where I, I went to school in a very small mining village. And it's in the north of England. And so certainly some of the sayings when we were talking about you know, it, it publishing in the U.S., they were sort of um, a, a very localized to that area. It has a particular local sort of accent and, and certain things that people talk about. For example, when in the book, we were talking about chip butties, as they're called in the north of England. <laughs> my editor was like, what, so what, "What exactly is it? it's a chip, chip butty?" And, right. and because it's a very local thing, e- even in England, it's a very localized thing. It's a very northern thing. So you have you have differences in terms of language and local things like that. And obviously, of course, the UK is a very small country. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of in my latest novel, it, it takes place along a motorway in the UK. Um, but that's very different, for example, to say a highway in the US, which would you know cover. Obviously, such a greater distance than sort of the small distance it covers in the UK. So sometimes kind of adopting your mindset to the the different ways people will view things. Um, You you know, you might say, my goodness, how could this character get from here to here in this time? And you're like, well, the UK is a really, really small. (laughs)
0: Right, it's not very big.
1: This could could easily happen. You know, there's not a great distance between places. So there's those sort of things, I think. But I think overall, I I think crime and thrillers translate sort of quite well. I think if, if you sort of create the character and you paint a very vivid image of your setting, then people people can go with it, I think. There's, there's so much difference. As long as you have a compelling story, which is obviously the, the key to everything, really, that compelling story and compelling characters you want to follow. Um, and I mean, I personally, I quite like reading books that are set in, in different countries and in different places. I do too. It adds an extra element to it, you know. And so, so I find that really enjoyable. And, and you know, overall, I, you know, the American Reads have been absolutely amazing. They've, you know, they've really gone for all the stories, and it's been, it's been great. And I think The you know, Chalk Man in particular was set in a very a sort of archetypal kind of British kind of small town, um, you know, that sort of picturesque kind of sort of countryside small town you get in the U.K. So I think a lot of people can relate to that and imagine that as well
0: well it's funny that you you know you, of course you mentioned the different kind of dialects and the different kind of words because a good friend of mine is, is author Peter James from the UK you probably know who Peter is yeah yeah
1: he's yeah. very close to where I live actually yes
0: yeah and we've had you know we talk all the time and we've had many conversations and, and he's always like Johnny goes you know why can't I sell as much in the United States and, and you know as I do in, you know in, in England and other countries and so we were talking one time and he asked me something and I said oh yeah I said that was really interesting and he was like oh, so you didn't like it. And I said, no, 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 that's not what that means. He goes, oh, well, if I write something interesting in the U.K., that means you didn't really like it. And I go, oh, I go, well, then that's probably part of your reason. That's why it's not <laughs> translating good enough.
1: <laughs> I think it is different things. I think, but I think with, with the U.K., we do say things like that. Rather than being upfront about stuff and just saying, well, I didn't like it, we would say, well, that's, right. interesting. Well, that's meaning, interesting, meaning, oh, no, no, yeah. really not for me. <laughs>
0: right. Right, but now you did mention setting, and you mentioned that things were, you know, that things were close. So just just to get like an idea of how close things are, because I'm I'm familiar a little bit with the UK. If you're driving from London to Glasgow, how long would that take you to go? Because that's pretty, that's pretty much all the way south to all the way north.
1: That's pretty much, yes, almost as far north as you can get. So that would probably take you about six or seven hours on a good so that's day. A day. You know, it sounds it could seven a day. Hours to get out of London. But yeah, I mean, I would say probably about Seven hours, maybe on a good day.
0: So, with traffic or whatnot, you're probably talking. That's about Boston to DC, I would guess, in the yeah. United States. Yeah,
1: it's okay. it's, it's nuts. It's it, it, and I think that I think sometimes in terms of distances and geography, that can be you know sort of difficult to wrap, you, wrap your head around. I think yeah, I think like sometimes we you know we we can't you know get the perspective of how just how big. The United States, because we're such a small country, like you say, it's it's, it's kind of crazy. It because it, I think I, I did I came to um, the US to just like a, kind of a mini sort of um, book tour, um, and of course we had to get sort of planes to various places. And I remember saying yeah. to my partner, I said, you know, catching planes, of course, in in the US is a bit like we catch buses or trains in the right. UK because of the distances involved. Because of, you know, because you, you have to. We, whereas we're just like, you know, catching a plane is quite a big thing, really. <laughs> you yeah. do it to get out of the country. Yeah. So w-
0: because you had so much success with The Chalk Chalkman, um, just for people who might not understand, get, explain that book a little bit, you know, because that was your debut. Like you said, that wasn't the first book yeah. you wrote, but that was your debut novel that was published. So what do you think it was about that one that was so, you know, engaging to readers um, that you were able to, that was the one, you know, that was your first published book.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Cause it was way, scary it as like hell. I mean,
0: it was freaky. I mean, it freaked me out,
1: <laughs> no, and I, which I <laughs> <Thank> love. <you. laughs> I, think I mean, it, I like think you, think you and you Alex what,
0: Marwood freak me out, I got, and I love
1: it. <laughs> I think if you knew what would be the book that would catch people's imagination, then, you know, that that would be a really good thing to know. It, it, I think some of the timing with books, I mean, I wrote the book because I was I was a teenager in the 80s, um, and I was also a big Stephen King fan, a big horror Same. fan. I also loved all those kind of films like The Goonies and stuff like that, The Lost Boys. Same. Gangs of kids getting into creepy situations. And I'd, I'd always wanted to write something like that. And, then, and I sort of, The Chalkman came about, you know, because somebody actually gave my little girl a, a tub of colored chalks for her second birthday. Mm. Um, and, and she wanted to draw on the driveway with these chalks, and she wanted to draw these stick figures, and we covered the driveway with stick figures. and then i kind of, we went inside and I kind of forgot about them. And then later that night, I went out to let our, our dog out and the security light came on and there were all these weird stick figures all over the driveway. And they looked really freaky in the dark. And I actually jumped to it, oh my God, and called to my partner, these chalk men look really freaky in the dark, really creepy. Mm-hmm. And that was the start of the idea, the idea of this childhood game that, that takes kind of a sinister turn. Um, and I suddenly saw how I could sort of work in all those things that I loved into this book. So, yes, it's set in 1986 and in 2016, and it's about this, this childhood game. This gang of friends start using these stick figures and chalk drawings to sort of send each other secret, mes- secret messages around the small town where they live, and then it takes a very sinister turn when these chalk figures start appearing on their own at the scenes of terrible crimes and bad things that happen around this small town and culminates in these chalk figures leading the, the gang of friends to the body of a girl in the woods. And then we sort of rejoin the, the main protagonist, Eddie, 30 years later, where he thinks the past is very much behind him um, and that you know, the, the, someone has been caught for the murder of this girl. And then he receives in the post a letter containing a piece of chalk and a drawing of a stick figure. And very soon it seems like history is repeating itself. Um, and and it, was, it was a lot of fun to write because I say it, it, it was able to encompass all those things I loved, like that, you know, that gang of kids, um, that you know, I read about in Stephen King novels and I watched in things like The Goonies, but, but in a UK setting, um, getting involved in this very dark, creepy mystery. Um, and, and it came out, I think, just after Stranger Things as well. And I'd actually written it before Stranger Things, because obviously it takes a while for books to get written and get published, right. etc. cetera. Um, but I think there was that sort of timing thing, I think there was suddenly people were interested in the 80s and Stranger Things was very big. Um, and it kind of hit that that mark there, I think, at that time. And, and also I think it, because it, it, it does kind of tackle universal themes, it's very much sort of about a coming of age novel, about childhood. Uh, particularly, you know, a lot of people have said to me, oh my god, there were so many things I related to about being a teenager, being a certain age in the 80s. Um, and so I think a lot of people related to that. Um, and that, that sort of caught people's imagination. Um, so sometimes it's, it's, it's you, you write a book and it just happens to be perhaps at the right time and it, it it does catch people's imagination and hopefully there's a good story and a good mystery in there again as well because you know for me it's all about the characters and the story um, and people seem to really warm to sort of the main character as well even though he's quite an odd character uh, but yet yeah, if I knew what sort of caught people's imagination about it I would try and replicate it forever onwards <laughs> but I'm just I'm just so pleased that it, it got such a good reception and people you know really you know genuinely did enjoy it. Um, you know when well, you've been trying to write for a long time, as I had. You know, it took me well over a decade to get published. Um wow. it's, it's an amazing you. feeling when
0: people read, with finally
1: read something you've written, and and you know, yeah. generally people you know really loved it.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, was there a reason why you decide to kind of you know do standalones instead of a uh, series? Because it seems like the big thing is series. Now, I I have you know I, I like some series. I like more standalones because I like the idea hmm. of knowing that when you were sitting down, you had a blank piece of canvas in front of you instead of like 50% of it was already filled in and then you were just more filling in the blanks. So um, are you drawn to more standalones?
1: I see the appeal of series and and sort of the fun of of returning to a character who you get to know very well and developing them. And of course, you've sort of got an inbuilt audience then who wants to keep on reading about a character. For me... Maybe because I don't know, perhaps I get bored easily or, you know, I I like the idea of each book being completely, I've got a whole new playground. I'm not tied by anything. There are no restrictions. I can make it whatever I want to be. I don't have to sort of work in stuff I've done in the past. I'm not restricted by time or place or, you know, it's completely free each time, like you say, a blank canvas. Um, And I find that much more fun. I, I like because I have, I have so many different ideas, and it's it's nice to just be able to start with a completely fresh idea and a, a new set of characters that I can play with, um, and and you know that that works for me. I I enjoy that. Um, but I think you know there are there's obviously it, an author has a certain style or voice, um, and there are certain things that will you know be similar throughout all the books. But I I like you know having something new each time. And actually, as, as a reader, I I quite like reading lots of standalones by by a, sort of the same author. I, I, I enjoy that as well. I enjoy both series and standalones. Um, but I, yeah, I may, maybe you know at some point perhaps I'll, I'll sort of find something that, that I want to spread over more than one book. But for now, that whole fresh start with each book and where's it going to go, what's going to happen, is 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 what I love.
0: Now you have another book that's also coming out in the U.S. Um, not too far from the time that we're recording this, and it is called The Other People. Yes. Now, was that already published in the U.K., correct? And now it's just coming to the U.S.?
1: It's actually out in the U.K. next week. Yeah, there's there's a week between them. So, yeah, it's 23rd in the U.K. and 28th in the U.S. So it's that, yeah, kind of quite nerve-wracking pre-publication time.
0: (laughs) Right. And then you have the taking of Annie Thorne, which is another one. So I'm trying to understand, like, the order of kind of how they kind of came out. So um, basically you had the chalk man in the hiding place first, and now – you're going to have the other people than the taking of Annie Thorne, as far as, like, U.S. releases that we will get? Is that how it will go? Well, no,
1: actually, actually, the taking of Annie Thorne and The Hiding Place were, were the same book, but they're different titles. So oh, that, the taking of Annie see, that's what confuses us. I know. <laughs> it's, it's so confusing. And I'll tell you what. I, 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 said, I, I said, never again am I having different titles for the same book, because, because they were different titles and different covers. Um yes, yeah, so many people have said to me, oh, my goodness, you've got another book coming out. And I've gone, no, 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 it's, <laughs> don't buy it, which is not what you want to say to people generally. Don't buy my book. But right. like, no, no you've already bought book. it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, okay. I, I, I so the it last, other people is your
0: third. Okay, I got it. So the other yeah, people so the other... is your third.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's coming out very, yeah, very soon now. So it's, yeah, it's kind of scary. It's always a little bit scary before a new book comes out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's talk, well, let's talk a little bit about that one since it's going to be about the same time. Um, it's another standalone. Um, I have not been able to read it yet, so I'm not, I don't know too much about it. I'm just kind of looking right now, um, at the synopsis and everything of it. So tell us a little bit about this one.
1: Well, yeah, this book, um, I mean, basically the the idea for this one came about. um, The the idea is pretty much the opening chapter. I was, um, until we we moved quite recently, my husband and I and our little girl, but before then we used to do a lot of traveling up and down the the M1 motorway in the UK between sort of where we lived in the north and where a lot of our family live in the south. Um, And we were traveling back um, one night and we were in very slow moving traffic and roadworks and I was sat behind this this old car, which we've been following for quite some time and it was quite a beaten up old looking car and half the number plate was hanging off and it had all these faded stickers around the, the rear window. And I was just staring at it and my mind just kind of started to wander a little bit and as, as my mind does quite often. And I started with sort of with the what if and I started thinking, what if wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be weird or scary or creepy or whatever if, if, if a face appeared in the rear window of that sort of beaten up old car in front? And what if it was someone who was, I don't know, perhaps in distress or being taken against their will? And then my mind started working on it, and I kept thinking, wouldn't it be even weirder, kind of a one-in-a-million scene? What if it was someone I knew in, in this strange car in front of me on this motorway right now? And mm-hmm. then kind of my mind tumbled down the darkest rabbit hole, and I, I thought, what if it was my own child, my little girl? In the car in front of me. So it's me. just one layer
0: and another layer and another layer. Exactly,
1: tucked up at home in bed, and she's in that car in front of me, yeah. and she sort of mouths, you know, she she pleads for help, and then and then the car takes off. Then you know the, the car is gone, and you try and chase it, and and I and and that was really the starting point of the book, and that is pretty much what happens in the first chapter. Gabe, the main character, is driving home from work at night, stuck in slow moving traffic, and he sees a little girl's face appear in the rear window of this strange car in front, and she mouths one word, "Daddy." and then the, you know, the traffic starts to move, the car speeds up, he tries to chase this car, he loses it, he pulls over to call home you know, thinking he must be mistaken, it can't have been, but he, he has to check, he has to find out, and then he calls home and finds out that something terrible has happened. And we rejoin Gabe three years later where basically he's a broken man, he's a man obsessed, he basically drives the motorway, he's given up everything driving the motorway day and night, Obsessed, searching for this car he believes took his little girl. Although everyone else believes that both his wife and his daughter are dead, Um, Mm. so during the course of his sort of travels up and down the motorway, Dave encounters various people. Actually, he he sort of there's a a waitress at a rest stop, a service station that that knows him as the Thin Man. She sort of knows his story about his little girl. Lots of people know of him. Um, There's another um, mum and daughter who are also travelling the motorways, but they're running. Because they're trying to okay. get away from someone, a, a, a group know, we know as the other people in the book, who are a very dark and very sinister and play a very big role in the book. And as it turns out, all these characters are kind of connected and the other people are involved, although we don't know how and what happened to Gabe's little girl. So there's lots of interconnecting stories. Um, so, you know, it's, it's third person. My first two books were first person. This is third person. So we, we follow all of these characters and another character called The Samaritan, who Gabe has sort of become friends with, um, and he's quite a mysterious character, we don't quite know what his involvement is. Um, but all these interconnecting stories kind of link to sort of find out who the other people are, what's happened to Gabe's little girl, um, and, and sort of all link up to a conclusion. So it was, uh, it was a fun one to write, and, and quite interesting, because it was, it was quite a challenge with, with sort of all the different perspectives and characters. Um, but I think a lot of time we write about our darkest fears, don't we? And... And you know I'm a parent. I have a, a six-year-old daughter, and my darkest fear would be something happening to her, oh. losing her. And yeah. in a way, this book is, is all about my darkest fear and how far you would go as 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 a as parent, as you know, if you lose a loved one. It's it's, it's very much a book. It's as well as being a thriller. It's a very 1st paced thriller, but it's also about this father who's you know had this terrible loss but refuses to kind of give up hope. In the face of all evidence to the contrary that he believes his little girl is still out there, and he would do anything to find her.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned a lot, uh, and just to give a little perspective too of, of where you where you're talking about, because you mentioned you know like the northern, you know like United Kingdom. How far north are we talking about? Are we doing like as high as like Newcastle, Middlesbrough, or are we more like Leeds, Liverpool? Where about are, are you know are you kind of setting like where's like Arn Hill set around in that area?
1: In in um, the hiding place, Arnhill is uh, set in Nottinghamshire, which is kind of okay, the middle Nottingham. of okay. the UK, I'd guess. It's kind of the Midlands. Uh, Robin
0: Hood, Nottingham. I mean, come on. Robin
1: Hood country, yeah, Sherwood <laughs> Forest. So it's it, it's all around there. Because um, okay. I um, yeah, I sort of I grew up. Well, I was in the, I was born in the south. I was born in the south of England, and then we moved when I was six or seven to to Nottingham. Um, so I spent most of my life living in Nottingham. We, we lived near. I went to school in a in a small mining village there. So I kind of I, I was very familiar with um, with that area, and it's uh, in, in Nottingham where, where I grew up is a lovely it's a lovely lovely city in the UK, but certainly a lot of those small mining villages in the UK after the the miners' strike in the mid 80s um, became very deprived. So it, it's quite bleak some of the areas um, around mm. Nottinghamshire, and I always thought there was something about that sort of area that would be a very good setting for a book.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and so and i think that that you know like when you kind of have that idea and you know where you are i think that that kind of helps the reader to kind of understand because you know when you're talking about the u s if you're going to say new york or miami or chicago or new orleans you know people have a frame of reference to kind of understand yeah. where they're thinking of so and and it is you know and it is interesting england has always fascinated me by the differences in the northern and in the southern and and you know then you have you know then you have wales just you know out to the west yeah. and you know, those types of things. It's a very unique country, and I think that, you know, that lends to a lot of great stories and a lot of just different types of, you know, people, uh, kind of the yeah. way the United States is a little, in the Northeast and the South are a much different kind of way of life if you've, you know, kind of been around and seen that. So, yeah, I think yeah. that that's always neat to explore those and to have the setting as a character.
1: Oh, absolutely! I think you, you, you've got to get that setting authentic and right, so people yeah. still feel it. Like you said, it is a character itself, um, and 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 I think it helps if you have that that knowledge of it to make it feel very authentic. Um, mm. And and uh, you know, I, I draw a lot on sort of my own sort of you know again, you know, my, my own experiences um, in the hiding place of those those small sort of isolated mining towns, and they're very bleak, and the people in there are very self-contained. And and uh, and so England is funny in that it's very small but you know you have these very different separate areas within a very small country um i say i grew up and went to school in a very small mining village but even though the, the nearest yeah. big city was maybe only 15 miles away i mean you're only talking maybe a 30 minute car journey many oh. people who had grown up in that small mining village had never been to the nearest big city because they had no need to everything they had was in their small in their own village you know for them it was a, that was a big city a long way away so it's mm-hmm. it's it's it, it's very unusual in in sort of that respect, um, and and I, I quite and isolated communities and 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 that sort of you know contained community are always very good settings for thrillers or mysteries or, or horror, you know, because mm-hmm. there's you know that isolation which is very good to play with.
0: So you like to scare the hell out of people, right?
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it cool Absolutely. when you get? A, I mean, is it cool nice when you person, get the really, email? But... <laughs> yeah is it nice when you get the email and you're like oh thanks so much for keeping me up all night I couldn't sleep because of your book and you're like yes I did my job
1: absolutely that's the best thing where people sort of contact you on Twitter and go, oh my goodness yeah you, know, you gave me nightmares I couldn't sleep last night They're like yes my work here is done
0: <laughs> do you do a lot of conventions outside of the UK where American um, fans can meet you and, and talk with you
1: I'd really like to do some more um, actually um, so we're sort of seeing where we go this year really Um I oh, you think it may be like
0: Thriller Fest? I was just going to say we'll I be was there at this thriller year.
1: Thriller Fest last year. And, and that was oh, my great. God, I missed you. We good. were there. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: I missed you. I we'll have to connect.
1: I thought, I thought it was really cool. And and, and I haven't done that, actually. Um, and I, I, I was talking about going this year, but it was too close to a few other things. And mm. obviously, we've got our little girls, so we have to sort of enlist the grandparents to help if I sort of, you know, go right. away um, sort of for too long. So we have to work it around that. But, but yeah, it would, be, it would be great to come over again and do some more stuff. Because, you know, I, I, it's really nice. I love doing stuff. Where I get to talk about the books and meet other authors and, and meet readers. Right. Um, I, yeah, I think that's, that's you know, really good fun. Yeah. So
0: where's the best place for people to kind of find out a lot more information about your work, um you know, in the United States? Uh, what's your social media and where, and where do you direct people to kind of go to find out more information about you?
1: Well, you can always find me on Twitter. I am, I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm at C J Tudor on Twitter, and, and, and I love. I'm I always. I'm always there. I will chat. I will respond. Um, I love hearing from people on Twitter. i also have just caught up because I, I, I take a little while to catch up with social media, and I'm on Instagram now as well at C J Tudor author, and and um, also on Facebook at dot Tudor official. So, but you okay. know, you can find me in all those places. Twitter is the best place because I know I know my Twitter. I'm still finding my way around Instagram. I
0: just followed um, you.
1: I, I am a luddite. I eventually joined Instagram this year. So. Ah.
0: <laughs> yep. So I just I just found you on Twitter and I just followed you. So you're going to see Suspense Magazine following you because Excellent. I, I like to I like back. to keep up on this. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what. I mean. So that's probably the so that's where you kind of keep everybody up to date on all of your stuff and and things that they can find out more about you, which is great.
1: Yeah, I only uh, post everything on Twitter. I'm starting to put some more stuff on Instagram now, but you could always find me on Twitter, and I'm, I'm always there. You know, happy to chat because it's really nice. It's really nice if people want to contact you and talk about books. So, yeah. So I'm, I well I try and limit my Twitter when I'm writing, but yeah, I'm on there quite a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. You know, CJ, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you and and get to know you a little bit more. Um, Again, you know, we don't – in the United States, sometimes it's very difficult to kind of know some of these great U.K. writers. I mean, you just kind of see the name, but you don't really have a chance to talk to them. And I always find it so fascinating when I talk to, you know, U.K. authors because the perspective is always just a little bit different than America. And, you know, the one thing that I will say – you guys push the envelope a little bit further than what they do over here. It seems some American writers, yeah, besides maybe like a king or somebody, but some people they don't quite go as far, and I'd, and I'd like to see them go a little further like a lot of U.K. writers do. You kind of push the envelope a little further. I like that. Oh, that's
1: interesting to hear, actually. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's been
1: lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been great chatting. Thank you.
0: It has. Thank you so much, CJ. You have a good one. And we'll try to see if we can catch up in July at Thriller Fest. That would be great.
1: Absolutely. I'm planning on being there. (laughs) All
0: right. You have a great day, and I will talk soon.
1: Cool. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.